Thanks for tuning in to Strap on Your Boots. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. I'm a successful entrepreneur, award-winning filmmaker, and a guest lecturer at top universities along with Udemy for my course, Startup Essentials. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about how you can successfully produce a feature-length movie. I'll give you examples from my own movies, The Bucks County Massacre and The King's Highway. But before I start giving you tips and tricks, you have to remember, making a movie is just like building an app or starting a new business or writing a book or anything project-based. There is a step-by-step process that you should follow, and you shouldn't skip any of those steps. Obviously, the first step would be coming up with an idea for a movie, but it goes further than that. Let's say you want to make a romantic comedy. And you have this idea in your head for a really funny romantic comedy that you think would be popular. Well, you could start jotting down an outline for that. Or what you could do is what I did. You could start reading screenplays of romantic comedies that you liked. And of course, watching a lot of romantic comedy movies. So there's a ton of rom-coms out there that you could watch that can give you ideas of what to do, what not to do. You'll notice that every movie has kind of like a theme and the plot is kind of predictable, and the character development is, you know, there's a certain way to do it. It's usually best friends fall in love, and or there's a wedding that someone wants to stop. And so you want to watch a lot of famous rom-coms and then decide, what do you want yours to be like? Are there movies that you think you can make your screenplay relate to so that people say, oh, I, I've seen something like this before. This is good. I like it. Or do you want to be completely different so that people say, well, that was an original rom-com. I really enjoyed that. For example. When I did the Bucks County Massacre back in 2010, I was playing off of The Blair Witch Project, Paranormal Activity, and Cloverfield. And it just so happens my distributor gave it the tagline, The Blair Witch Meets Paranormal Activity at Cloverfield. So it was kind of coincidental that those three movies were the basis of where I kind of got the idea for my movie. And I did take little bits and pieces of all of them and put them all into one movie. That's kind of where I got my idea for the Bucks County Massacre. Now, of course, it wasn't critically acclaimed. You know, there's good reviews and bad reviews, probably mostly bad. It was my first movie. What can I say? But one thing is sure that it was globally distributed. It did get picked up by a Los Angeles-based distributor, and it did win a film festival award, Audience Choice, and it has been seen by hundreds of thousands of people. So just because, you know, didn't make me this famous director doesn't mean that it wasn't a success. It still was a success. So let's go back to the first thing I was talking about, making an outline. So you've watched a whole bunch of movies in your genre. You've started reading screenplays in your genre. So you know kind of what you want to do. Now you have to jot down an outline and start kind of putting down points in pages. So, you know, like page one through 100, for example. So you should have like 100 bullet points. That gives you an idea of how the story progresses. Now, if you want to get into detail and you want to do things the right way, I would suggest picking up a copy of a book called Save the Cat by Blake Snyder. It's something that I've read, it's something that I've used. And it's funny, when I was introduced to the book by Babs Batala, a producer in Los Angeles who's been really kind to me, and I reached out to her with some of my scripts and she gave me pointers and she told me what I was doing right and what I was doing wrong. She mentioned to read the book and I did. And I realized half of the stuff I was writing in my screenplays were what Save the Cat was telling me to do already. So I feel like I was already doing half the job on my own, which is great because it it shows that I was actually learning how to do it the right way without actually knowing the tips from a producer. But once I read Save the Cat, that's when I realized the other half of the things that I wasn't doing correctly and that what Babs was trying to tell me 
you got to do this, 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 and this. It was in the book and it really, it really lays it out for you on how to do things the way Hollywood expects you to and the way Hollywood wants you to. Believe it or not, there is a formula. Hollywood has a formula. You'll notice when you watch a movie, the first couple minutes, you get introduced to all the characters. Then something happens and the movie kind of gives you an idea. Here's what's going to be happening in the movie. Then you have like a B story. The friends or the family show up or the side story shows up. Then the movie, the story progresses, and then it gets into something bad happening usually where everything falls apart. And then everyone has to try to pick up the pieces by the end and you either get a happy ending or a sad ending. I mean, it's a pretty standard formula that you'll notice in movies. And if you follow that formula, you should have a successful script. So for example, The King's Highway, it's my historical documentary that I produced in 2016. It blew up. It just became popular. The reason I even came up with it is because I was hell-bent on creating a documentary. For some reason, I was watching so many documentaries in the 2000s and like 2005 through 2015, those 10 years. I was watching so many documentaries and I wondered why did they become so popular? Like Supersize Me and Food Inc. and Forks Over Knives and like all these documentaries about politics and finance and food and health. And I was just like blown away at how many documentaries were coming out every year. And I was watching them. So I was learning the right formula for a documentary. So I kind of visualized it in my head. I had an idea what I wanted to do. The problem was I didn't have a topic. And this is the most important part of this episode. When you come up with a topic for a documentary, what I noticed from people who pitch me their movie ideas, they think too small. Like they'll think about a person or a place, or one thing, you know, a situation. You have to think bigger. You have to think, you know, community, global, you know, city, state, countrywide. You got to think bigger. And that's when The King's Highway fell into my lap. If you watch the movie, it's on Amazon Prime for free. You can also order the DVD and it's available everywhere. Digital is available thanks to my distributor, Indie Rights in Los Angeles. You will find that in the first five minutes of the movie, I explained to you how I came up with the idea for the movie. It was serendipity. It was luck. It was fate. It was destiny. I did not expect to make the movie. It just came to me. But once I started filming the movie, after I wrote a rough screenplay, because you can't really write a screenplay for a documentary, but you can write a script, kind of like a, my, my narration and what I want the talking points to be about and what I, you know, when I interviewed people, what I wanted them to talk about. So when I was interviewing people, what I wanted them to talk about, and also something called B-roll, which is all the extra footage that you want to film, all the documentation, the images you're going to show on the screen, the videos you're going to show on the screen, the maps, all the things that I showed in the King's Highway. I had to jot all that down piece by piece, section by section. So I knew when I was editing where I was going to put everything and what I had to film, kind of like what's called a shot list. So that's one thing you need. You need a shot list. You need to know what you're shooting, when you're shooting it, where you're shooting it, right? So in my case, when I was going to be interviewing someone at like a historical society or a museum, I made sure that before I went to film, I had a list of things that I wanted to film at the place, not just the interview. So I would shoot the interview, but then I would get footage of like the library or the statues outside or the building itself. I would use my drone and get footage in the air. I would use my gimbal and get nice smooth footage on the ground. I would get birds in the trees outside. I would get, you know, the clouds with a time lapse. Like there's, these are the things you have to think about because when someone is talking on a screen, you can't just show them talking. You can show 
them talking sometimes, but you want to show what's called B-roll, that extra footage on top of the person's head. So you don't you don't see their head the whole time. You see the footage popping in here and there, especially when they explain things and you can get the footage that shows that explanation or the topic. If they're talking about a river, if you can go film that river and then show it while they're talking about it, that's the best way to do it. So I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. I'm teaching you more like specifics when I really want you to know how to create a successful film. And the key, again, is to find the right topic. So for example, there's a big crisis going on right now and the opioid crisis. And, you know, that's, it's big. Everyone knows about it. Everyone knows that everyone's taking prescription painkillers. Why? Who is this impacting? What's happening to the families of the victims? What about big pharma? What about the government getting involved? This is a kind of a story that I think could be exploited in a documentary. You got to think big. Why do you think big? Here's why. What I found with the King's Highway was, although I was making a movie about my community, Northeast Philadelphia, and the history of Philadelphia, which goes you know throughout the entire nation, of course, because America started here, and telling stories of our forefathers, I basically unleashed the community support. My community was fighting to save buildings that were getting knocked down. These buildings from the 16 and 1700s and 1800s, they're getting knocked down still to this day. And my movie kind of started a movement for people to say, look, this movie is exploiting the fact that Philadelphia has a low historic budget for preservation and the community is using the movie as a vehicle and momentum to kind of push their initiatives to save buildings. Now, see, when I first set out to make the movie, I didn't realize this was going to happen. I thought, okay, I'm going to make a movie about the oldest road in America, the King's Highway, the oldest bridge in America, the King's Highway Bridge by William Penn in 1697. And if you watch the film, you'll see more historical facts and buildings along the highway. But what I uncovered was the preservation piece, the call to action. And that's what I was going to bring up as the successful piece to any movie is when it comes to a documentary, at least, is a call to action. You have to relate to people. You have to get people to want to share your movie. You have to get people to get riled up after they watch it and say, ooh, that was a good movie. I got to tell everybody about it. And you're not going to do that with, you know, another horror movie or another, you know, comedy. I mean, you can, but it, the market's going to be saturated. You're going to be fighting with a lot of Hollywood production films and, you know, it's going to be difficult. Documentaries, on the other hand, are a lot cheaper to film because you're not paying actors. You're not paying a lot of crew. You're not paying for locations and production, you know, setups and wardrobes and food and makeup. You're literally not paying for any of that because all you're doing is filming everyday people and then most of the work is going to be in shooting the B-roll, doing the music, doing the editing, you know, all the other stuff, the color correction. It's all post-production is where most of the work is going to be. The actual filming of it's not going to be too difficult because you're just filming interviews with people. So in my opinion, if I were you, I would shoot a documentary as your first film to kind of get your bearings on how to make a movie in the first place. And then make sure you choose a topic that is extremely, extremely supported by the community or the country. Pick something around you that you see everybody's talking about. Pick something around you that you see families are struggling with or families are supporting. You know, nowadays there's a lot of stuff going on with gender equality and women's rights. And we have a lot of political turmoil. I mean, maybe there's a story there. Maybe you can find something. But in the end, you have to pick a topic. Again, that's bigger than yourself. It's not something that you care about. Maybe you do, but see, with the King's Highway, it, it just hit me. I didn't really, I wasn't a historical person, right? I didn't really look into history. It just fell on my lap. I exploited a story that was around me. 
you should exploit a story that's around you as well. If you care about the topic, that's even better. You know, I love history, so it, it just it was a win-win for me. But maybe you don't really care about the opioid crisis. Maybe you just want to exploit the story and help families. That's the best way to do it. Now, as for the success part, your movie has to be compelling. It has to have a great story, great visual appeal. The cinematography has to be on point. Everything has to be good about it. Then you can start submitting it to film festivals. If you get lucky enough to win one, like, for example, the King's Highway won Audience Choice Award at the First Glance Film Festival, I was then looked at by independent distributors, and I got picked up by a Los Angeles distributor, like I mentioned before. This is how you can succeed. Film festivals are the first way. Then you want to get DVDs made of, you know, you can get DVDs printed for a couple dollars from, you'll find if you go online and type in custom DVDs printed, you'll find a lot of companies that do it. And uh, you'll get your own DVDs, start selling them to people when you go to shows or events that are related to your topic. You can even go as far as getting some merchandise. Like I sold t-shirts and posters and I still do. People buy them on my website. You can easily set up a PayPal shopping cart on a WordPress site and start selling DVDs, t-shirts and posters. If you need money to make the movie like I did, you can have a Kickstarter campaign. Mine raised enough to make the movie. You can do the same thing. Make a, a short trailer, show the perks people are going to be getting, the DVDs, the t-shirts, the posters, and you can raise enough money to make the movie. You don't have to do it yourself. Then if you don't actually know how to make a movie, you can probably find some local college filmmakers to help you shoot it. They probably can help you shoot it in a couple of weeks, depending on you know what your topic is and how difficult it is and where it's going to be located. If you're shooting it all local, then it's going to be cheap. If you have to shoot it out of state or out of the country, obviously the, the price will go up. So you want to try to make your first movie locally so that you're not spending a lot of time or money. Then it's all about promoting social media marketing, getting it out there, targeting the Facebook groups and the Twitter people and all the different social media groups that are about your topic, right? You want to get them to watch your movie and review your movie and share your movie. This is the only way you're going to be able to do it is social media and getting it out there in front of people at events. Like I would physically go to events like I do and promote your film. Of course, if your topic is controversial or if it strikes a nerve in the community, they're going to share it for you. Now, there's a lot more to making a movie successful and actually producing a movie, but that's why you have to learn how to do it, right? You have to really understand the basics. And what I would do if I were you is I would learn the equivalent of a master's degree in film. Start reading up on the history of film. Look on Wikipedia. There are tutorials online that teach you camera tricks and, you know, how to do camera lighting and how to do audio and how to do cinematography the right way, which tools to use, which devices you need. Like, take a step back, right? Take a step back and think to yourself, you're learning something new, so you don't want to rush into it. You want to take your time. I would watch as many videos as I can, read as much as you can on the history of film, learn about techniques, editing techniques everything, right? And once you understand everything, or at least you read everything or watched everything, start doing it. Get a camera and start playing around with it. Start, you know, shooting small stuff, five-minute short films. Shoot a couple interviews in, from your friends and family. Just practice, you know, just start getting used to the fact that this is what you want to do and, you know, how are you going to do it and work your way up. I would even suggest being an intern for a production company. Get them coffee, change their batteries and their camera, Run that cable over there, hold that microphone or the boom pole, get some tape and put that over there, you know, like just help out a production company and help them film something. So that way you can see how to do it and you'll learn quicker. I actually did that a long time ago. I helped a whole bunch of production companies film their stuff. And that's how I learned a lot too. That's when you start to realize the things that you would do differently. That's when I bought my own equipment. That's when I realized I don't like how these people are doing things. I want to do it myself. 
So I started my own company called Delphi Entertainment back in 2007, and I've been running it since. So I would say learn from professionals, branch off on your own, get some equipment, learn the history of filmmaking, learn techniques, practice watching tutorials, read screenplays, watch movies in your genre, and then write down an outline, read Save the Cat if you're trying to write a Hollywood screenplay, and feel free to ask me questions and reach out to Babs Batala. She's on Twitter, pretty active, and she has a blog and a podcast. She's awesome, very helpful, and I love her for all the help she gave me when other producers really don't want to help because either they get flooded or they just don't care. They want to just get paid, and she is a genuinely honest, upfront, helpful person, and I love her. So any questions you have for me, feel free to reach out. I have some tutorials on YouTube on how to write a screenplay as well that might help you. Feel free to check those out and I'll see you on the flip side. I hope you learned something in today's episode. If you did, please share it with your friends. If you have a business idea you'd like to pitch to me, you can do so on my website, jasonsherman.org. Don't forget to pick up a copy of my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. And if you want to dive even deeper into the world of entrepreneurship, I suggest you sign up for my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy.com. I really do appreciate your support if you decide to donate via PayPal, and I hope you tune into my next episode.